Would you be ready to do seasons change? Okay, just in case we get there at the end. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Labor Day weekend. How many of you have, have made every minute count? How many of you are like, I have no idea what I'm doing? Like, is it Labor Day? Like, what, what day are we on? Because this pandemic's got me all mixed up. You know, as Americans, we're really good at doing everything to the nth degree, and we're really good at doing nothing, right? How many of you work hard all week long? Like, you're just working for the weekend is your, is your deal. That's your saying, right? And then you get to the weekend, and you wake up Saturday morning, you're like, I don't feel like doing anything. Have you ever been there, where, or you have some time set aside, and you get ready to go, and you just, you got no giddy up and go to do it. You're like, what am I even doing here? Why do I have a day off? I, like, am, am I the only one? I feel like when we started this pandemic and this quarantine, you can bring the table up, Mike, that would be helpful. Uh, thank you. Uh, when we started this pandemic, we were all like, oh, what are we going to do? And we kind of focused in, and maybe some of our first reaction was like, what am I going to do with my time? But then at like a weekend, we're like, hey, I'm grateful for the time off, right? We're going to make the best of this, and we're going to have family time. And then like three weeks later, you're like, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do with all this extra time? I think sometimes we're really good at working hard. Thank you, Mike, as Americans. And sometimes we're really, really bad at it. Sometimes we're really good at resting, and sometimes we're really bad at resting. How many of you are people that have a hard time resting and doing nothing? And so in, even in the midst of this, we've come into a season where it feels like not only are we you know, walking through an unprecedented time of quarantines and shutdowns and travel restrictions and all you know, masks and all this other stuff that comes along with it, but we're also going into this crazy cycle every four years that we get into where it seems like all of our nation loses their mind. Right? And people that like, were like, I'm not political, three months ago are all of a sudden like posting stuff where you're like, what in the world happened to you? Maybe you are that person. And in the midst of all this, like, how, how do we continue to do what we're called to do? How do we work hard at what we're called to do? How do we rest well? How do we, how do we find peace in the midst of turmoil? How do we do this thing called life when it seems like everything around us is swirling? And how many of you feel like sometimes it's just a, a symptom of modern life? But it's not. Because all throughout history, people have been busy with their own stuff. All throughout history, there has been movements of government and of, of politics and all this, you know, people trying to rule and hold on to that. All throughout history, there's been people that have been busy with religious stuff. There's been people that were busy with family stuff. I mean, Jesus even talked about it in one of his parables. He said, you know, the servants of the king went out to invite people into a banquet to celebrate. And they said, sorry, I just bought a field, right? Or sorry, I just bought a cow, and I need, I need to make sure the cow works good. It's the same thing. It's like, I just bought a new house, or I just bought a, a, a new car. Like, none of those things are bad, but when we use them as an excuse, or when we miss the point of what God's called us to, they become all-consuming to our lives. We live in the same time period. It's just different names, different people in charge. But as human beings, we, 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 we are called to learn how to live within a balance and how to rest. And Jesus had something very interesting to say about that. And I want to share that with you this morning. I feel like this is not as much of a, a, a preaching 
or a sermon as it is just a pastoral meditation on the times that we're in and what Jesus wants to say to us and how we become the kingdom people that Jesus is calling us to be in the midst of everything that's going on around us. So if you would, if you'd open with me your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. And just as a setup of of what we're going to talk about this morning, in Mark chapter 6, Jesus is in his own hometown and very famously gets rejected by the people of his town. Like, I thought I had it bad by pastoring a church that I grew up in. And by the way, you guys have made it very, very easy. I honor you for the way that you've received me as your pastor. I mean, some of you literally, Grandma Fran, taught me as like a four-year-old in, in Sunday school. And now you sit and hear me every week. And I, re- I remember those things, and I, uh, but I want to honor you for that. I want to honor you for the way that you've received me as your pastor. But Jesus had a hard time with his crowd. You, you guys are better than Jesus' crowd, okay? Just... Yeah, we are. If you take nothing away from this, no, I'm just kidding. Jesus had a hard time in his hometown. He was preaching and teaching, and people were like, who is this guy? Like, what, 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 what does he have to say? Isn't this Joseph's son? Like, why is, he, why is he, miracles? Like, that's just weird. And so Jesus, almost in response to the ineffective ministry that he had in his own hometown, commissioned his disciples, his apostles, his sent ones, and he sent them out to do ministry. And it was an incredible amount of ministry. He gave them power and authority to cast out evil spirits and and to heal the sick. And this incredible traveling ministry is born out of these sent ones going all over the place and doing ministry. And then we sort of have this aside in Mark chapter 6 where this, this ministry is happening. And it's really interesting. In verse 14 it said, Herod Antipas, the king, soon heard about Jesus. Some versions say, Jesus became famous because everyone was talking about him. And some were saying, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That's why he can do such miracles. In other words, the people knew John the Baptist famously as a man who worked miracles, as a man of power, as a man of authority, a man who taught the word of God and called people back to repentance. And they think maybe Jesus is him come back from the dead. And then the gospel writer explains why they would say come back from the dead. How did John die? He was beheaded. The gospel writer says that. He talks about Herod, the king, having him beheaded. And I think it's really interesting that Herod had him beheaded, and Herod also really liked John. There was something about John's ministry that was intriguing to the king, and yet he had him beheaded. You could, it's another sermon for another time. You can read all about it. But he's hearing, he's, he first has John beheaded, and now all of a sudden he hears about Jesus. And Jesus' disciples, in verse 30, returned to Jesus from their ministry tour, and they told him all that they had done and taught. And in the midst of this powerful time of ministry, in the midst of this time of political turmoil and religious turmoil and and, and prophets being beheaded and Jesus' name becoming famous and who's in charge and what's going on. In the midst of all of this, what does Jesus say as his disciples come back and say, hey, it worked. What does Jesus say to his disciples? What does he say to the people that are following him, the people that have walked in his power and his authority, who he's handed the kingdom over to 
for a time and is about to hand the kingdom over to fully. He says this. Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Father, as we open your word today, Jesus, as we see what you said, as we respond to your invitation, may we understand by your spirit what you are calling us to individually and as the church. May we find true freedom and true true rest, true power by being with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' first instruction to his apostles, to his sent ones, are come with me. Come and be with me. I think it's really important to understand the context of Jesus' invitation to be with him because Jesus was saying, listen, there's all this other stuff you can be involved in. There's, a, there's even a temptation, maybe even to spiritual busyness and spiritual pride that comes from it. There might be a, a self-centeredness that you think somehow you've done something great. I want you to come away with me. Some versions say, come, let's go by ourselves, away by ourselves so you can hear with me. But I think it's also important to understand the political context of what was going on. Because Jesus and his apostles have just heard that Herod was beheaded. And what I want to say is this. There are political spirits that were in operation then that are in operation today. And those political spirits are looking to take the head off of the kingdom of God. How many of you would agree with me that John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus? He was there to declare that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is found in Jesus. And just as in that time, the enemy is after the kingdom of Jesus. Now don't worry, he doesn't win, right? But he wants to do everything he can to destroy, to distract, and to pull us away from the kingdom life that God has called us to live. And in that context, it's important to understand, Jesus and his disciples reporting back to him, some scholars say that John the Baptist was beheaded. And that news reaching that group says, listen, we need to stop in the midst of this and we need to go away and we need to hear what our Lord, what our teacher, what our rabbi has to say. Jesus invites them and he invites us to come away with him because just as there were political spirits that were looking to operate and destroy the kingdom of God, I believe today, and this is part of my pastoral meditation, that there are political spirits who are in operation. They're in operation all the time, not just every four years, but we see them more now, especially in operation, and here's what it looks like. I believe, and I'm not talking about the spirit of the Democratic Party or the spirit of the Republican Party. If you are hearing me talk about a party and you get sucked into that and you walk away saying, hey, Pastor Josh ripped on this party or said this about, you're hearing me wrong. What I'm saying this morning is that we as the kingdom believers, those who belong to the kingdom of Jesus, need to be aware of the spiritual climate, especially around political spirits that are looking to destroy the work of the kingdom. And here's how they do do that every four years. They're looking to divide the people of God into camps. And I don't think they really care which camp we land in. And if that offends you, 
you probably have your heart centered in a kingdom of a political party more than you do the kingdom of God. And I'm not anti-politics. And I'm not anti-government. We live in a society and in a governmental structure where it's of the people, by the people, and for the people. We have a responsibility as believers to be engaged in the government of our nation. Through voting, sometimes through politics. There are people that are called to that. But the question is for each one of us, where is our heart anchored? And where do we find our hope and our faith? Do we find it in a platform? Or do we find it in Jesus? Do we find it in a personality? Or do we find it in Jesus? Do we find it in a, in a stance on a particular issue with which the, king, with, with, with the word of God speaks? Or do we find it in the king who is speaking to our hearts? Now, if you walk away saying, hey, Pastor Josh is anti this or for this politically, you're missing the point. The point is, where is our heart anchored? Jesus wanted to make sure that his disciples' hearts were anchored in him. Why? Because here's the truth. Sometimes in our lives, we're, we're very privileged as Americans to live in a, a society where our political opinions don't usually cost us our lives. But sometimes there are evil people who are fighting against the kingdom of God, and in that arena, the enemy ends the lives and threatens the lives of the believers of Jesus. Jesus was literally preparing his disciples for that. Jesus was killed for spiritual reasons, but also for political reasons. The disciples, most of them, would, would have an untimely death because of their allegiance to the kingdom and not to a politician or a ruler. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying like don't be an American and don't be patriotic and don't be ready to defend our country and the ideals that we have. I, I believe that this nation is a wonderful nation. It's one of the greatest experiments ever on the face of the earth. But our hope must not be found in our American identity, it must be found in our kingdom identity. And so what we have here is Jesus calling us to himself. Because your political candidate's victory in November is not where our hope ought to lie. It's not our reward. Our reward is in Jesus. And not just like in some kind of way that we you know, think he's out there, but our reward is literally found in being with him. Jesus is our reward. And each one of us have an invitation, just like the apostles. We are, we are apostles. We are sent ones. We're not the apostles, but we are apostles. We are sent ones into the earth to represent him, to see his kingdom come, to preach about uh, righteousness and forgiveness and judgment and hope and peace through Jesus Christ. And he's calling us to be with him so that our hope can be found in his kingdom. He is our reward. He says, come with me to a quiet place. 
That word quiet place, translated quiet place, means a desolate place or a lonely place or an uncultivated place. Maybe like a place that hasn't been planted, but it's fit for pasture. It's fit to, to, it's not like desert, but it's not prepared. It also has the meaning of a place that's been deprived of the aid or protection of others, especially family and friends. What's Jesus saying here? As he's calling us to a desolate place, he's calling us to a place where it's quiet and there's nothing around pulling us away from hearing from him. How many of you have children and you would say that children are a distraction sometimes from hearing from the Lord? Sometimes they're a blessing, right? In the midst of all of this, they say something, you're like, whoa, you did not get that from me, you got that from Jesus. But most of the time, it distracts us from hearing from God. Well, the same can be true of almost anything in our lives, even really good things, right? How many of you have a harder time hearing what Jesus is saying because you've been inundated over the last couple weeks and months with all of this politics and all of this news of what's happening around the world. It makes it much more difficult to filter out what God's saying. Am I the only one? Okay. And so Jesus is saying to his disciples, listen, there's a, there's a, there's a, a temptation to misunderstand what's happening politically in government and with Herod. There's an, a, a, a temptation to be afraid or to push too hard or whatever. There's a temptation even to spiritual pride. You've been so busy with miracles and healings and signs and wonders and preaching the gospel. There's, there's a temptation to let that infect your heart. He said, let's just go away to a quiet place. Let's take all the trappings of life away from this so that we can gain perspective from God. I don't know about you, but when the Lord starts to take the things that I anchor my heart in away, I tend to hear his voice a little bit better. Listen, I believe that the enemy is raging right now. He wants to bring destruction to the kingdom, but I believe even more God is using what's happening with the work of the enemy, but also himself. He's shaking what can be shaken in our lives. And the reason it can be shaken is because we put our hope in it. In our schedules, in this pandemic being over, in our kids actually going back to literal school. We've put our hope in an election. We've put our hope in the busyness of church. We've put our hope in, you know, family. Maybe in, in the beginning of this, you, you did a good pivot from like f- facing everything else to facing your family, but maybe even in this, you've elevated your family to a place that it not, ought not to be. And the Lord, Lord in his graciousness and his goodness is shaking everything that can be shaken so that we can come to a place where we can see him and know him for who he is. He's taking us not only away with him, he's taking us to a quiet place, a lonely place, a desolate place, Not because he wants us to be without the things that we need, but because that's the place where he can speak to us. What's interesting, though, in in this account is that Jesus and his disciples get in a boat and they go to that desolate place and people see where they're going and they run around the lake and they meet them there. It's like when you tuck your kids in finally at the end of the night 
and you go and you sit downstairs on the couch next to your wife and you take a deep breath and you're just about to have a romantic conversation, right? Because that's what you do every night, right? And then your kids, one by one, come downstairs and need something else. And they found Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus had compassion on them. He started to minister to them. And then because it was a lonely, deserted place, the disciples were like, hey, there's no food here. How many of you are with the disciples? They're like, God, if I'm going to follow you, you've got to tell me when I'm eating next. And they said, you need to send them away so they can get food. And Jesus says, you feed them. And, he, and then what are they, what's their response? With what? With what? Listen, these are the guys that just went out in power with the power of Jesus to accomplish his kingdom, to preach the gospel and to anoint the sick. And, to, and they're coming back to tell Jesus everything about it. Don't you think they would have learned that there's miraculous power in following Jesus? That even if they, they weren't carrying it then, they were, they were with the guy that did it, and he says, feed him something. They're like, I got nothing. What do you, Jesus with what? And so Jesus does the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. What did they need? They needed the perspective of Jesus still. They needed to know who Jesus was. They needed to know who they were in Jesus. How many of you know that in this time, in this moment, as we're called away from him, whether distractions cut in or not, we need the perspective of who Jesus is and who we are. We're called to be away with him in a place where it's us and him. Maybe us and some other people, because it wasn't exclusive. It was Jesus and his disciples together. Maybe God is using this time to bring us to a place where there are not a lot of distractions around so that we can find out what really matters. And even some of the stuff that we did to serve Jesus before isn't what we'll do in the future. And that's okay. Because he has new power. Because he wants us to see what's in our hands, what he has already given us. He wants us to listen to his voice and his instruction because he wants to do a miracle that feeds 5,000. He says, come away with me to a lonely place. And then he says this, to get some rest. Real rest is only found in him. In fact, Jesus was so intent on demonstrating that, that after he fed the 5,000, he sent his disciples away. If you look at verse 45, immediately after this, after feeding of the 5,000, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. So he sends all the disciples home, and then it says, and he sent the people home. And after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills himself to pray. Jesus' invitation to rest didn't end when everybody got fed, but he did send his disciples away. He said, you guys go that way because I still need to go and be with my dad. I still need to go up into the hills and rest. I still need to go up into the presence of God by myself and receive from my father in prayer. And Jesus is calling us to come away with him into a lonely place so that we can rest. 
How many of you in the midst of the turmoil that's happening and you're getting ready for this next couple months and all that's gonna go down with that are like, I could really use some rest. Like, I've been home, I've been quarantined, but it's not resting, right? Am I the only one? Like, I'm mourning the end of summer, right? I'm trying to figure out in my mind how I can stretch this as far as I can stretch it. Because we were bored until it got nice out, right? It's going to be nice, Lord willing, for another couple months. And I'm trying to stretch this thing out. But if I try to find my rest in my physical surroundings, if I try to find rest in stretching my schedule out, I'm going to miss it because true rest is found in Jesus. It's found in our connection with him, in our heart with him. Even in the midst of all that we have to do, we are able to rest with God if we will come away with him. Because the truth is this, self-care is not selfish. And when I'm talking about self-care not being selfish, don't think that I'm saying Jesus is very interested in whether or not your pedicure appointment is still on for next week. Nothing wrong with pedicures. But do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes we shift our rest into like how we want our rest. How many of you are like intent, like I can rest, but it better be on my terms. Self-care, especially spiritual self-care, And physical rest in Jesus is not selfish. In fact, God instituted Sabbath rest every seven days for us, for our benefit. And Jesus is calling us not to a time of rest where we do nothing, and not to a time of rest where we start to blow our whole budget on massages or boats or, and I'm not trying to pick on anything, if you're into massages or pedicures or boats or golf or whatever, but we can't find our rest in that. We can't be the people that are working for the weekend or working for the afternoon. We have to be the people that are working to be with Jesus. Because he's already made a way for us to rest in him. And he's calling us to that place because he wants his people refreshed. He wants his people invigorated. He wants his people connected with his heart. Because people who are rested who are connected with him are the people who can represent his kingdom in a world that's gone crazy with every other kingdom. Jesus said at one point in Matthew chapter 11, he said to the crowd, he said, come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. Real rest is not found in our circumstances being ideal, it's found in him. He's calling us to be a people that will rest in him. How many of you would like to do that? You wanna come away with Jesus to a quiet place and find rest. I think that if we do that, it will prepare us for what God has coming into the world and we will be the kingdom people that he's called us to be representing the kingdom in powerful ways. told my staff this week in staff meeting, I want you to gird up your loins. Anybody know what gird up your loins means? It's a biblical ancient term, ancient term, also biblical. When you were ready to, when we go running these days, we put shorts on and we run, right? I hope. I mean, maybe sweatpants. But in biblical times, when you wore robes, it's very hard to run in robes. Most of us have not done that, right? 
But maybe women, it would be analogous to running in a dress. But if you're going to run, in biblical times, you had to take your your robes and kind of tuck them into your belt so that they form like a robe pair of shorts, right? That's that's girding up your loins. It's getting ready to go. You can can do that physically, like with your clothing, but you also do it like internally with your spirit. Get ready to run. And I think... The Lord is calling us to be with him and to rest in him so that we can gird up our loins and we can be ready to run. Because I think this is a season where the people of God are going to need to shine brightest for the king than we ever have before. And if we have our hearts anchored in a different kingdom or we're not away with him, hearing from him, or we're not rested, we will get swept up. But we have a king who's given us an invitation and every invitation comes with the power to do that. So as you close your eyes, I want to pray for you today. For all of us today. Whether you're in this room or you're watching online, I want to pray that we would hear clearly the call to come away with to a quiet place and rest with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you want to say yes to that call, just as as an act of faith before the Lord, as an act of humility and saying, God, I recognize that call and I'm saying yes to it. Would you just raise your hand to him or hands? Raise your hand or hands to him. Jesus, I want to come away with you. Maybe you've already been away with him this morning and you're like, I just want to dive deeper into that. Would you raise your hands this morning? Raise them to him. Jesus, we're here with our hands raised because we want to respond to your call to come away with you to a quiet place and rest. And our desire is to, in the midst of this political swirling and even the spiritual busyness or life busyness that we're in, to just stop, be with you, hear your voice, hear your perspective, hear what's inside of you, hear what's inside of us and be with you. So where you lead, we will follow. Where you're going, we want to go to. We're so grateful that you've made a way already. That we don't have to strive and try to make it happen our own. We just have to Walk in the freedom that you've given us to be with you. Lord, may we be a people that are so rested in you, that are so full of your presence, that have been with you, that we would make a difference in the midst of what's swirling in our nation right now. That we would carry your power and your authority and your anointing and your message and your heart to a world that's looking for anything to hold on to. May our hearts be firmly rooted in your kingdom, Jesus. We thank you that this is possible by your power, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Pastor Kent's coming now to close us. God bless you.
God bless you. God bless you.